people always say money doesn't make you happy. No, it doesn't, but it gives you choice. Choice where which school you send your kids to. Choice what area you live in. And whatever you choose probably will make you happy. And so money doesn't make you happy, but it does give you choices and choices to be able to do the things that you want in life can definitely make you happy. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Hey, hey everyone, it's Sam here. Today's guest on the Elevate podcast almost needs no introduction. He's been in the industry almost 20 years and worked his way up from rookie status to high-performing agent to running his own agency. He started Urban X more than a year ago and last year the brand ranked 24th in the Australian Financial Review's Fast Starters list. So, Dan Argent, welcome back to Elevate. Thank you so much, Sam. And gosh, I feel old now that you've reminded me of 20 years in the industry. (laughs) Yeah, well, none of us are getting any younger, so (laughs) we all just have to suck it up a bit, don't we? That's it. So, just quickly, tell me about being named on the AFR Fast Starters list. That's a pretty big deal. Good recognition for what's happening with Urban X. Yeah, thanks so much, Sam. I was like really, truly blown away by that. The business was growing pretty well. But then when they said, oh, you're actually the 24th fastest growing new company in Australia, I was like, whoa. Yeah, so that was cool recognition and for the whole team as well because OpenX isn't just me. There's 75 people in our team now that come to work every day to make this a reality. So super cool recognition for them. And I think as well, Sam, like super cool recognition for this sort of not shift in the industry. It's just an alternative, probably, let's call it, for people that want to do something different. It didn't exist when I went into business for myself back in the day about 10 years ago. And clearly, the recognition shows that people are engaging with that. So yeah, really cool moment. Yeah, absolutely. And so people that read the brief will know that there's been like a fairly steady stream of people joining forces with UrbanX because we feature those people regularly. How many agents are you up to now? 165. Yeah, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, and that's in three years. Yep, and growth plans for the next 12 months? Remember that little cartoon, those two mice, and they always end every episode, what are you thinking now? And the other one goes, try to take over the world. Yeah, that was going to be my answer. No, look, we just want to keep doing what we're doing, very much just staying in our lane and offering an alternative to high-performing agents that, have a desire to work for themselves and build their own business, but don't want to take on all the back-end work and marketing and branding, trust accounting and all of that. And I think, Sam, there's a lot of them. I think there's a lot of really aspirational people in our industry. I think that's why it's such an amazing industry. I think that's why some people make an eye-watering amount of money in this industry because can, ambitious people can. And then I think to your question about the next 12 months, I started working for myself the whole turning point in my career when I left the agency that I'd worked at for seven years and went out on my own was the last time the market did what it's doing now. Literally in 2011, that was January 2011 was when I went out on my own. It was really, Sam, driven out of financial need to go out on my own. 
And this period that we're in now is now my third downturn that I've experienced in 20 years. And it feels, you know, you've been in this industry a long time. I'm sure you could maybe agree with this. It feels like it has in the last downturn. Rates are going up, inflation, market slowing down. And, you know, the core logic numbers that just came out just prior to us hitting record on this was that across Australia, sales are down 21% in the last 12 months and prices are down 9% on average, which is a cumulative effect on agents' incomes of down 30% in 12 months. That's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. So let's dig into that a little bit because it has been kind of a challenging year. And how are your agents finding it out there like on the ground? Because we sort of see the CoreLogic headline numbers and often talk to people and sometimes there's a bit of generalization going on. What are you seeing within your group? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Sam. I mean, nowhere near as bad as that. Absolutely nowhere near as bad as that is the answer. I mean, we were just having a look at this last month because we get these reports every month and we're like, geez, our numbers are nowhere near that. I mean, we've barely seen a drop in turnover. Yes, there has definitely been a drop in prices, although we're probably seeing overall, and you know, we operate in Northern Territory, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, Tassie, ACT, so fairly widespread now. Yeah, probably about a 5% fall in the average sale price. But that also could mean that it's an average sale price. There's not as many high-end properties selling and therefore the average comes down. It might not necessarily be a drop. But if that's the case and other people that you're speaking to say that's the case for them as well, then some people must have it really rough because the data is the data and the data doesn't lie. So if that's what the data is, then somewhere that's what it's equaling at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. So let's sort of talk about the second part of that, which is about finances and money, because that was something that you just mentioned the first bit of your answer. And it's also something that I understand you're speaking to a lot about agents right now. So give me a definition because, you know, again, we see agents that are earning big top line money, big GCI, but perhaps aren't taking home as much. So what's financial wealth to you? What should we be aiming for? Yeah, well, I'm going to give you a very real and honest answer to that. You know, I grew up and life was a real struggle growing up. I had a single mum and she did everything she could to provide a good life. She actually had three jobs. You know, she'd work all day and then she had a job at night and then she had a job on the weekends. I've seen how hard life can be not having any money. And so the 20 year ago answer would have been, what's wealth, Sam? Money, money, and a lot of it, you know, that would have been young version of me. And then the more mature version is that wealth is far wider than that. If you've got money but you don't have health, well, that's kind of useless. And then if you've got wealth and no one to share it with, then that's kind of useless. So my definition of wealth is definitely expanded to include health and happiness and family and balance and so many things. I think that's true wealth, but it's all well and good to have all of that. But if you're struggling to pay the bills, as I experienced growing up, I remember the anxiety in our home when bills would arrive, when the school fees were due. It was real and the lack of choice as well. People always say money doesn't make you happy. No, it doesn't, but it gives you choice. Choice where you want to stay on holidays. Choice whether you fly at the front of the plane or the back of the plane. Choice where which school you send your kids to. Choice what area you live in. I mean, it just gives you choices. And whatever you choose probably will make you happy. And so money doesn't make you happy, but it does give you choices and choices to be able to do the things that you want in life can definitely make you happy. Yeah, well, you might choose to fly the plane like you do. (laughs) 
and you might choose to come with me one day. Maybe. But do you think new agents coming into the industry, they skip over thinking about the future a bit because maybe they see some of the, let's just say, celebrity agents and then maybe don't plan as far ahead in terms of financial wealth. Why do you think this is? Well, you know, truly, Sam, it's probably just a lack of guidance. That's just the reality. People need really great mentors around them that want to help them with this. And I'm excited about our chat today. And I want to thank you for the opportunity to have a chat today and share this because because I don't see a lot of people talking about how to build wealth. And I think that's a shame. I don't hear of many people telling me that their principles are sort of helping them build wealth. I don't sort of see much out in the sort of public forums about it. So I am really excited that we're chatting about it today and I'll share a lot of the mistakes that I've learned. If I get the opportunity, I'll share the lessons that I've learned. But fast forwarding a bit, I say this and I re-emphasize, I've never been given anything. I grew up incredibly poor and what I've been out of the life, I guess I've been out of create, I'm very grateful for, but I've done it through really hard graft and making some smart decisions along the way. And I'll share all of those with you that you want to go through today. But there are lessons in there that other people can follow if they want to. It's not financial advice because we're not licensed to give that, but it's just my experience. And if other people can learn from that, then that's fantastic. Yeah, that's it. I don't know what the disclaimer is to read out. It's a general nature. Why don't we just say ignore everything that we're about to talk about? How about that? I'll just say, listen to this or not. There we go. Yeah. Kids don't try this at home. Yeah, or do. Because I guess my next question is, they say in real estate a lot that you fail to plan and plan to fail. And you talk a lot about setting some KPIs, like financial KPIs, to sort of pave the way. What do you think should be on an agent's financial plan? The very first thing that I would look at with any money that I earn would be how to invest as much of that as I can. And so Grant Cardone, some of your listeners might know Grant Cardone. He's a identity in the US, manages funds, I think a billion dollars worth or something like that. And he has a 40-40-20 rule. And that is everything that you earn, invest 40%, pay 40% in tax, which that's just unfortunate, but not much we can do about that, and live on 20%. And it is just really fantastic advice that I would echo today. Well, not advice, whatever we're going to call it. But if everything you earn, you go and invest 40% of that and you take a 10, 15, 20-year view of the horizon you've got to think about where you'll be in 20 years' time if you do that. And I think that's that plan, fail to plan, plan to fail. Anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. That's that, right? Is that too much living in the moment, driving the flash car, spending too much. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But if you follow Grant Cardone's advice, which I've certainly tried to do for a long time now, is invest 40% of what you earn, live on the rest. Yeah. The market, like one might be listening to this, at the moment. And I mean, we just touched on a little while ago, but the market is tougher than last year and certainly tougher than 2021 when it sort of felt like, you know, there was money everywhere. But a lot of people I talk to say that you can still have a good year, even in a tough year, and you can still build wealth even in a tough year. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you absolutely can. I mean, we're talking a lot about money today and we'll no doubt continue down that path. But These times are actually once-per-decade opportunities. They are once-per-decade opportunities. And the reason for that is the stats show that listings and sales are down 21%. 
So in any given market, there's going to be substantially less listings on the market than there was a year ago and the year before that, right? And so that's actually your opportunity to increase your market share. If there's normally, let's just use some random numbers here, but there's normally 10 houses for sale in your market. Well, now there's only eight. And if you have two of those, you've got a 25% market share. Alex Jordan from McGrath talks about this. Forget about your GCI and numbers and all that, just track market share. And he's spot on. And there's no greater time than a down market to increase your market share. Because if you can hold 20 to 30, even 40, if you're lucky, percent market share in your area and build that in this time that we're in right now, then as the market turns, you still have that market share, right? So now all of a sudden, there's 20 properties for sale in your area. But with your 25% market share, you've now got five. I mean, I'm just making up numbers here in terms of like the number of listings. You can extrapolate it, but it's the percentages that matter. And so if you're an agent and you're in an area and you don't have at least 20% market share, that is your opportunity to thrive in a market that we're in now. Even though it might not feel like you're thriving, depending on how long this downturn continues, you're setting yourself up for the future. Yeah. So it's about volume now, yeah? Well, it's about a share of market. That's what it's about. Because it's been said before, this won't be revolutionary for your listeners, but 20% generally, it's a general statement, but it's generally quite accurate. 20% market share is the precipice where most agents go from being a chase agent to an attraction agent. When you are selling one in five properties in your area, you will generally be seen by the homeowners in that area as someone that they should reach out to when they're ready to sell. You know, if you've only sell one in 30 houses, well, you're probably not going to get a phone call from someone saying, oh, you know, that, that agent seems like the expert in this area. But if you're selling one in every five, you are going to get that. So I would say 20% minimum, if you can get more than that, great. But that's really what you want to hold. Yeah. I just want to do a little diversion onto the marketing street and we'll go back to money again in a second. But you're a marketer. I'm a marketer. When times get tight, you often see people sort of going, oh, I don't think I'll spend as much money on marketing and wait and see. Whereas I think the opposite. I think, you know, when they go low, you go high, you know, and really sort of have your name out there. What are your thoughts during this time? I agree with you, Sam. Double down, go harder. Because I just said this is a once in a decade opportunity. I mean, in the good times, yeah, okay, you're making all this money, but so is everyone. And so everyone's sponsoring elite agent and everyone's doing everything. Like when the market's good, everyone's making money, everyone's doing everything, you're just competing, you're in the sea of sameness. But when the market downturns and everyone stops spending money, that's your opportunity to double down and amplify even more what you're doing. If you do a letterbox drop once a month, great. Now do one every week. If you send an email newsletter once a month, great. Now send one every... I mean, you know, this is your time to really double down because again, You asked me if there's one thing. The one thing that I would say, Sam, is have a long-term horizon. Most people just look five minutes down the road. They just look at their next listing, the next sale, the next listing, the next sale, the next bill. Everything's just the next. But if you go, no, here's where I want to be in five or 10 years' time, right? You're now big picture. And you go, all right, I want to be the number one agent in this area. I want to be making $2 million a year. I want this home, this car, this school for my kids, this is what I want my life to look like. You start to make better decisions today. 
Because when the market downturns like it is now and agents' incomes on average drop by 30% in 12 months, that's a lot. You start to think, well, the quickest thing I can cut here is my marketing spend. But if you go, yeah, but that's just now. I've got a 10-year view of where I want to be. And in fact, if I spend more now, if I bring on more people in my team now, if I do all of these extra things now, yeah, I'll really suffer financially for a little period of time, but that's a short-term blip on the radar because where we're heading, that's not going to matter. And I just urge people to have a 10-year horizon always and keep reviewing that because you'll make better decisions today. Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess, what was at the beginning of last year or the year before? I think it was the year before now. Time flies when you're having fun. We had Ryan Sohan on the podcast for a million dollar listing and he sort of said that he started his own business, Sirhant, at the beginning of COVID when everything kind of went to crap. There was a heap of uncertainty. And I do know other agents who have gone into business for themselves when times aren't exactly ideal. How are you seeing things at the moment? Are you seeing this as another moment of opportunity or what are you sort of talking to people about in terms of that? It is a huge opportunity because the data doesn't lie, the average agent's income is down 30% year on year. There's not many other industries. I mean, even though you can make a lot of money in this industry, but there's not many other people that you'll speak to whose income has dropped 30% in 12 months. And it's like the cost of living's going down. So we're inundated at the moment. Literally, we're having approximately 300 phone calls a week. I mean, we are inundated at the moment with agents that are going, I actually need to make a change. It's almost I feel like at the start of our journey, which started three and a half years ago, people were really attracted to the brands that we were developing and the marketing that we would do for the businesses that we work with and the support. But now, most of the conversations are actually about the financial difference. There's people saying, I can't afford to stay in real estate if I stay where I am now. And without getting into anyone's exact financial situations, we do talk money on nearly every one of those phone calls. And People on average, dollars $100,000, $400,000 a year better off if they start working for themselves. Have we got time for just a really quick story about why I started in the last downturn? It sort of talks to your point, Sam. So in 2011 was the last time that the market felt as funky as it does now. I remember it was the first time I'd ever had an open house that no one turned up to in my career. And I remember thinking, are the bloody admin girls that haven't put my time on the internet. And I went online and it was, and I was like, ah, okay, just no one's come. That was like a real watershed moment for me. And that was when the market got bad. Now, up until then, I've been in real estate for seven years at that point in time, I'd sort of been chipping away, growing a little bit each year and putting money into properties. And so I bought an apartment and then I bought an investment apartment and then I bought a house with my mum because she'd rented her whole life. So I had a couple of properties, but they were all on interest only. And rates were going up, which wasn't fun. End of 2010, start of 2011, my fixed costs were $10,000 a month. That was all of the mortgages that I had, you know, the too expensive a car that I had a lease on, all the my fixed expenses were 10 grand a month, which was sort of affordable prior to the market downturning. And then as the market started to downturn, that no longer remained so affordable. And because I was a commission-only agent for six and a half out of those seven years up until that point, I like to have a big buffer. So I always kept a bank balance 
about 100 grand. That just allowed me to sleep at night. And in that sort of 2010, 2011 period, because I was earning so much less when the market started to drop and I went from sort of selling one house a week to one house every six weeks, like it really slowed like it is now, that balance got down to five grand. And I remember it so well because I was so scared. I was like, crap, what do I do? And how am I here after seven years of slogging myself? How am I here? And that was like a mega, mega turning point for me. I did a couple of things in that moment. This does answer your question. I looked at how much I was earning, but I didn't know where it was all going. And I was giving away 40% of everything that I earned to the agency that I worked for. And then I, out of my 60%, I had a whole heap of expenses, which dropped that down. And then obviously tax came out. And so there actually wasn't that much left at the end. And Tom Panos always talks about the million dollar agent that's broke. And because it's the same thing, million dollar agent, 10% in franchise fees, need in a 900, 50% of your office, need in a 450, PA, need in a 350, super, need in a 300. You know what I mean? Like it disappears real quick. And so I went out on my own. That was the only reason I left where I worked. I don't think it's any place I'd ever worked. And I went out on my own and I needed that extra money. And I took that extra money. I didn't change my lifestyle, which comes down to that Grant Cardone advice that I shared before. I took that extra 40% and I just plowed it into my mortgages. I thought, I am never, ever getting into this situation again. I was literally just pumping that extra 40% into the mortgages that I had. Paid off my house first. And I was like, wow. I still have the letter from the bank to say, congratulations, you paid off your home loan. And I paid off my mum's house. And then I paid off my investment property. And then I started just continuing that. You know, when I bought another investment property at the beach, I paid it off in just under two years. And I just kept doing that, Sam. I never could do it before. Only way I was able to do that was when I went out on my own, kept the extra money that I was no longer giving away or however you want to phrase that. And I just put every dollar of that straight on mortgage prepayments. And what I didn't know. But every time you have a standard mortgage repayment, if you're not on interest only, if you're on P&I, like a tiny fraction of that, like say your mortgage repayment is four grand a month, maybe $300 of that goes off the principal and 3,700 comes off interest. And so you can pay all this money every month and look at your mortgage balance at the end of the month or the end of a year and it's barely moved. It's only if you look at a mortgage sort of spreadsheet, it's only really the last couple of years that actually pays the mortgage down. But if you make prepayments, it's all off the principal, 100% of it. A prepayment is 100% just off the principal. And so you just rip into your mortgage. And if any of your listeners that want to look at this themselves, you can just Google early mortgage repayment calculator. There's heaps of them online. You just early mortgage repayment calculator and you type in your mortgage amount and your interest rate, and then you type in your extra prepayment amount. You can do it per month or per week or per year or whatever. And it'll literally graph it for you on the screen and just show you what it does. And for most people, Sam, if they just put in an extra five grand a month or something like that, they can go from their mortgage taking 30 years to pay off to being able to pay it off in like three. It's ridiculous. It's madness. No one's ever told me this before. Maybe some of your listeners won't have heard it before. I don't know, but no one had ever told me this before. It's absolute crazy how good this works. And yeah, you can like literally build true net wealth, i.e. 
you know, not gross wealth, but the bank owns most of it, like true net wealth in just a few short years. Yeah. All right. Be right back. I'm just off to Google that now. (laughs) I'm kidding. I actually have a couple more questions for you. I can see you looking to the side, Sam. You are Googling this, aren't you? (laughs) And my hands are above. But you did say that you wouldn't have been able to put more into prepayments unless you actually had the money in the first place, which is sort of the UberNext model of having a bigger split. Now, interestingly enough, and I just wanted to give you an opportunity to respond to this, I did talk to Jason Oppenheim over Christmas as well, who's another TV celebrity agent. And actually, his interview is pretty interesting, actually. like He's my favourite out of all of them. But he did say that splits have gotten to a ridiculous point. And also, so I'm sort of thinking about the AXPs of the world and stuff like that and sort of saying that the brokerage model is going to come back towards more of the brand model. What do you think about his comments? Because I know you saw them and I know you heard them. So I'm keen to understand the other side. I completely agree with him, Sam. I completely agree with him. And herein lies one of the great challenges in our industry, one that you and I have dedicated a lot of our life to. Herein lies one of the great challenges. You're an agency owner. You've got maybe franchise fees, rent, staff, subscriptions, marketing, trust account audits. I mean, the list goes on, right? So there's only the one pie, which is the commissions. There's the one pie. So you're the agency owner. There goes a big chunk of it in all of that. Then you've got an agent that works in that agency. And Jason's point was all about how much that agent gets. Do they get 60%, 70%, 80%. If you're an agent and you're getting, let's say, 70%, let's pick a number, right? You're getting 70%. And that business owner is paying 8 or 10% in franchise fees. And then with all of their local operational costs, maybe they're spending another 15% on that. That principal running that might pick up 5%. And it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And so Jason's right. Therein lies the great challenge in our industry right now. Agency owners have all of these expenses, but the agents want, in my opinion, deserve so much more of the pie and it just shrinking the margin tighter and tighter and tighter. And you probably have seen and your listeners might may have seen the Macquarie Bank real estate report. I think it comes out annually and it shows the percentage of businesses, real estate businesses in Australia that make over 20% profit. And it is a tiny, tiny number. So most are operating on very small margins. Let's look at it from a different angle. But what about the agent, Sam? What about the agent? What about the agent that's working six, seven days a week, day, night, getting their own leads? I mean, it is one of the things that's interesting about our industry, isn't it? You've got to get your own leads and then you've got to sell the properties. I mean, you really are a self-contained business. And so that agent, let's face it, they are sacrificing their weekends and their nights. That is what real estate is, residential at least. They're dealing with people that they might have networked with and worked for years and years and years. They get the listing. They go to work on the weekend to sell it at risk of possibly not selling and therefore them not getting paid. They eventually get the deal done and sell it. But if you look at it from their perspective, why aren't they getting more, right? They're doing so much. Like, why aren't they? So here's the conundrum, right? You've got the agents that are doing so much. And then you've got these principals that have all of these growing expenses. And I just think, Sam, that what we do isn't for everyone. And I'll just be the first to acknowledge that. It's not for everyone. But 
the reality is it is an alternative for agents that go, well, I just want to do what I'm doing now, but for myself. That's really what it is. I want to just do what I'm doing now, listing and selling and all this hard work, but I just want to do it for myself. But I don't want a trust account and admin and staff and marketing and all of these expenses and time or distractions, whatever you want to call it, that are going to take me away from you know what I love doing and what I'm really good at doing. And so really, in a nutshell, yeah, I mean, I agree with Jason and I agree with so many others in the industry, but what we're doing didn't exist when I went out on my own. You just had to do it all yourself or don't and work for someone else. And it was my experience of how good that is, but how bloody hard it is that made us go, well, maybe there's an alternative, which is like a middle ground where everything's done for you, but you are actually working for yourself and keeping more. So yeah, I agree with Jason, but I think there is an alternative as well. And my final point on that is, and I'm going to give a plug to another company in the US where Jason is, they're called SIDE, S-I-D-E, and they do exactly what we do, but in America, and they are sweeping through the US, absolutely sweeping through the US and very high profile agents you may have seen in New York have just recently joined them. They help agents to be able to just do what they do now, work for themselves, but fully supported. And this is not just in Australia, but this is definitely happening in other countries around the world. Yeah. It sounds like your business model has some good ways of lowering the cost base though, because that's what we're really talking about here. If you can afford to give a better split, it must be because your costs of doing business and scaling that business are lower. Is that decent summary? Two things happened at the crossroad for me to sell the agency that I had built for seven years and then start UrbanX three and a half years ago. Two things. Number one, I had taken on all of the back end and management of a team and the trust account and everything that running a business takes. I've done all of that myself, sort of the work that managing the team that do it, which is a job in itself. And after seven years, I ended up divorced and that was never my 10-year plan. And so how did I get here? And one of the realizations I had during that time was that I had two full-time jobs. I would literally be an agent all day, prospecting, listing, and selling. And I would literally be a business owner all night. I would be in the office till 9, 10 o'clock every night, just about dealing with stuff, management stuff, business operational stuff. And how do you maintain a relationship with anyone else or even yourself when you're doing that. So that was my price that I paid of running my own business. And so I thought, okay, there's got to be a better way than this though. And then to your point, Sam, sitting outside my office one day thinking about all this and all of the work required to run a business. And this thought hit me and I was like, there's 10 agencies in my suburb and all of them have the same problem. All of them have exactly the same infrastructure. All of those principles that I just sort of went through before and their conundrum, all of them had that. They all had a bunch of staff, bunch of wages, which aren't getting any cheaper, bunch of subscriptions, bunch of franchise fees, bunch of marketing costs. Actually, Sam, the back-end infrastructure of every single real estate agency is 90% exactly the same, and it's repeated over and over and over and over again. If there's three agencies next to each other in one street, every single one of them has exactly the same engine behind the scenes, basically, give or take. So I thought working for yourself is definitely better than working for someone else, in my opinion. I formed that opinion after doing it myself for seven years and nearly going broke seven years earlier, going out on my own, taking the extra money that I was earning, putting it into mortgage prepayments, paying off my house, my mum's house, my investment properties, etc., So I sort of completely 
changed my life at the end of those seven years. I never could have done that if I stayed working for someone else. Just simply, it's maths. I was would, would have been giving it all of that away. But doing it all yourself, you'll pay a heavy price. And so, yes, our business gets efficiencies of scale because we don't have that same infrastructure repeated over and over and over and over again. Like we look after 100 agencies, 165 agents, 100 businesses, and we've got a centralized workforce here in Australia, it's onshore, centralized workforce that look after them. Now, each one is appointed to different businesses. It's not just like a call center. It's very, very personalized and boutique. But we do get cost savings by centralizing that. And again, I say it's not for everyone, but it is an alternative for those that are interested because you don't need to do everything yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So Dan, if we could just summarize, because we've covered a heap of ground there, like if you could just give everyone, maybe summarize your three best tips for surviving this downturn. Okay. Well, the first tip we'll just talk about this time itself. Now is your opportunity. And I use that word on purpose. I would be looking at this as an opportunity to become the best version of you in real estate, like upskill in everything, upskill in prospecting, upskill in managing your own team and being a leader, upskill in letting things go and just focusing on the work that actually matters. Don't proof your brochures and stupid stuff like that. Focus on the work that matters. Invest more in marketing. Take banners with elite. Just double down and view this as a once in a decade opportunity and look at all the best players in this industry and you'll see that pretty much all of them have been through three, four, five downturns. Okay, success leaves clues. Maybe the longer you're in this industry, maybe the work that you do in this downturn will completely set you up for the next upturn. Is that a word? Anyway, it is now. And so that's the first thing. Look at this as an opportunity and really go for it. What's that saying? Iron sharpens iron. Put that on your wall somewhere. You know, like I'm a pilot. You take off into the wind. You don't take off with the wind behind you. You'll crash, literally. That's bad for taking off. You need the wind into your face to be able to take off. Same with this, right? If you're an agent, this is your opportunity to take off. That's number one. Number two is have a long-term view about your life and your career because even when things get tough, if you know where you're going, it makes today's decision so much easier. I speak to a lot of people that say they'd love to be able to work for themselves. We do the maths, they're $100,000, dollars $400,000 a year better off. And they sort of get scared and go, oh, but you know, then I've got to do this or I've got to do this. That's living in the moment. And that might not just be starting your own business too. That could be any number of different things. But what I would say is, Take a 10-year view of where you want to be. And unless you are where you want to be in 10 years, like unless you're already there, then you've got to think, what's going to get me to where I want to be in 10 years' time? What's going to get me there? And start to do it today because why not? Or at least start edging in that direction. That would be the second thing that I'd say. And the third thing that I'd say is I got into real estate 18, 19 years ago having grown up very poor and having gone to school with a kid whose dad was an agent and always picked him up in a nice car. And I thought, oh, that looks interesting. And so I actually went and worked for that guy for seven years. And after seven years, I'd worked bloody hard and I'd earned pretty good money, but I didn't do anything diligent with it during that time. And when the market downturned, I nearly went broke. And that absolutely scared the crap out of me because I was like, how have I worked this hard for this long and don't have anything to show for it other than all this debt with the bank that's costing me 10 grand a month of service? So I started going, 
I think, in properly here financially. Because ultimately, even though we help people buy and sell and do some amazing work in this industry, it is your career, it is your job, and this is your future self is going to thank you for this. It's the way you're going to build your wealth. And your wealth is going to give you choices, and choices are definitely going to make you happy or certainly at least life easier. And so have a look at what your financial plan is, right? Have a look at the early mortgage repayment calculator. And after you have a look at the early mortgage repayment calculator, have a look at a compound interest calculator. Warren Buffett talks about this as the eighth wonder in the world, compounding interest. If you've got $100 invested at 10%, next year it's $110. year after, it's $110 invested at 10%. It's now going to be $122. The year after, $122 invested. You can understand what I'm saying. Compounding interest grows upon growth, upon growth. And so if you might be $100,000, $200,000, $300,000 better off per year working for yourself, yeah, that's a lot of money, but you might think, oh, yeah, but it's worth it. But then if you get, say, Two hundred grand this year, and you invest it instead of spending it, and then you get two hundred grand next year, and you add that to the investment, which is already growing instead of spending it, and the year after, and the year after, in ten years' time, Sam, you'll have five ten million dollars worth of net assets just by putting away a pretty reasonable number every year. And so, my third point is, what is your future self going to thank you for? As Michael Jordan's coach says, if you don't like the price of success, you're not going to like the price of failure and regret even more. And that's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. That is very powerful. That's probably a good place to leave it today. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast again. I've enjoyed catching up and thank you for sharing a bit of that wisdom and knowledge and particularly your story because I think a lot of people will resonate with that. But Dan, if I could ask you one more question, which is the final question I ask all of my guests, if there was one piece of advice you could leave everyone with, and I don't know that it could be any more powerful than Michael Jordan, but let's give it a go anyway. There was one piece of advice you could leave everyone with, what would it be? It's a great question and powerful when you put it down to one, but I'm going to reiterate something that I said there. Money doesn't make you happy and it's important to know that. No one ever told me that when I was younger. I thought it would really defining what true wealth looks like for you is super important. You can get like those balance wheel things and it would be good for anyone to sit down with their own balance wheel and really define what true wealth looks like for them. And for me, like my realizations where you can have heaps of money, but if you're really unhealthy, then that's not really sort of true wealth. And if you're on your own and you don't have anyone to enjoy it, then that's not really true wealth. And if you're burnt out and too stressed and no energy, and so like all of these kind of things, and then you can kind of rate yourself on it. That's like a really good exercise, like a little self-check exercise to do. And then even like in your relationships and with your kids and, and all that, you know, this little exercise. So you're really getting clear on what wealth is. And I share that because that's not the answer I would have given you 20 years ago, but that it is really important. And this is maybe the balance wheel. So wheel indicates like it's rolling. You want to be able to do this for a long time. This is a career. You and I are both scratching your head about where all the time's passed, but the reality is it just will pass and you want to be able to do this for a really long time. The only way to not sort of be in and out of this industry is look after yourself. Don't burn out. It's super important. Yeah, especially during times like these. Dan Arjun, thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate Podcast. 
with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agents' premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.